This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. Dr. Fagerberg is a professor of liturgical theology at the University of Notre Dame. He holds an MA from St. John's University, Collegeville, and an STM from Yale Divinity School, and a PhD from Yale University. His books include Theological Prima, On Liturgical Asceticism, Consecrating the World, Liturgical Mysticism, and Liturgical Dogmatics. Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. In a marriage, the the great mystery is that the husband and the wife are brought together in union. And so the third person within the marriage that is experienced by the world because of that union is Christ. Yes. It's what makes this the uh, sacrament of the church. The marriage is a sacrament, a visible sign and grace of what Christ and his church relationship is. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, it was uh, the plan all along. Marriage before the fall. Marriage is the one sacrament that isn't a medicine for sin, but it existed in the Eden before there was sin. So Christ is returning the new Adam and the new Eve back to the state they should have been in. Again, in that sharing of the divine life. Isn't that what they were called to? Isn't that why we're created? And I think to myself that I could even find room for asceticism in Eden if asceticism was keeping a sturdiness about yourself and not just putting out little um, forest fires have little spots here and there, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that our asceticism looks different. Our asceticism looks bloody and it's on the cross and it's dealing with sin. But I think I could even speak of an asceticism for Adam and Eve that would have been living in an upright, just manner. Well, that would be what the West means by this original justice. And in one liturgical, I've forgotten what exactly it was, I found in the Eastern liturgy books a reference that if Adam had kept his asceticism, we wouldn't have to be doing ours, meaning the way we are. Furthermore, I think I might make space for the sacred in the Garden of Eden. Wouldn't that be in the evening when God comes to share a glass of lemonade with them? All day long, they're doing their duty, their profane duty. They're naming animals and gardening and keeping track and ruling over. And now they set their tools down in order to have a sacred set aside. That's what Sansiri means, to set aside a moment. And what's the fall? They abandon the sacred moment. They hide themselves in the bushes. And so they can't do the world anyway, anymore the way it was meant to be done. They don't know why they're doing it. They don't know towards what end. They don't know who really rules this world. They think they rule it themselves. Silly people. 
And you can't make a, a good sacrifice when you're hiding in the bushes. That's no location for a decent sacrifice to be uh, accomplished. We lost our capacity for holy sacrifice. So Christ has reconciled us to God, metanoia, evangelism, and put back in our hands the original capacities to worship God, to sacrificially offer to God, which he meant for the first Adam to have, but the first Adam failed it, and now the second Adam has returned it to our hands. Going to church is stepping into the Garden of Eden. Mm. No, no, it's higher. Because it's not going back to Eden, it's joining Christ in a step further up and further in. Its inside is bigger than its outside. Well, there's that ascension again. It is. This is from uh, my theological diary once more. Mm -hmm. There are two movements in the liturgy, and the Greek language identified them as anabatic and katabatic. Basis means to go. Anabatic is to go up. Katabatic is to go down. The anabatic movement in liturgy is our ascent into the heavenly realms. Lift up your hearts. The katabatic is the Spirit's descent upon the assembly and the sacrifice. Oh, the dictionary includes a meteorological definition for anabasis as well. It says pertaining to an uphill wind produced by the effects of local heating. No, wait, that's a Pentecostal definition. The dictionary also gives a spatial metaphor. Anabasis, it says, is a march from the coast to the interior, where in silence one will find the Holy Spirit waiting, while katabasis is a march from the interior of a country to the coast, where in need one will find the world waiting. Every liturgy is a two-way march, inward then outward, or upward then downward. But here's the paragraph that uh, made me think of it now, and this is just especially for you and your tornado. The prefix acro means aloft. The Holy Spirit restores Adam and Eve's wings, making us liturgical acrobats, acrobasis, tumbling, twirling, doing barrel rolls with the angels above the altar. And liturgical asceticism lightens one's gravity and increases the measure of our liturgical capacity. So I'll open a summer camp for liturgical acrobats. <laughs> and the people who have a thin definition will think that I'm actually doing something like a clown liturgy. Mm -hmm. But we'll actually start with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Try to overcome the passions. Learn how to overcome the passions so that we could become uh, lofty liturgists, twirling aloft. Acrobasis. Well, I told you, I don't know other languages. They, I mean, I'm just bad at it. I passed my language exams, but I do like single words and they just turn like a ruby. <laughs> and I don't have all those other words cluttering up the uh, sentence. Those single words are just like gems to me. Well, I think we have become comfortable with the word baptism, the word even the confirmandi, the, the confirmation and also Eucharist, the great Thanksgiving, but seems to still struggle with what to call penance, reconciliation, confession. And yet that doesn't seem to express the drama and the beauty 
of that particular sharing, that particular sacrament. Maybe we could call it the kickstart uh, sacrament. <laughs> I like it. Because it comes into existence when a baptized Christian cuts himself so badly that he's in danger of bleeding to death. The sacrament of penance is putting a tourniquet on someone before they die from bleeding to death. And it's like you can see in the uh, ancient rite uh, discipline of penance, a duplication of the discipline of the catechumenate. So somebody goes through the catechumenate, learns the discipline, learns the rules, gets baptized, but something... Um, mortal sin uh, damages that. And so what the church does is to pull up the plant they've just planted, shake off the dirt from its roots so that they could replant it. And there's this period of three years, seven years, 10 years, period of um, penance when you don't receive Eucharist, successive uh, concentric circles of getting closer to it. You stand with the sinners in the narthex, then you can be in the nave, but not receive communion, etc. Mm -hmm. I know that that discipline of penance uh, develops into the practice of repetitive um, uh, penance. And then it just has different names because you want to put a, a emphasis on a different um, mode to it. Reconciliation, I'll always remember from a uh, throwaway line by Bob Barron. I can call him Bob Barron because I knew, when he, I knew him when he was Father Barron and not Bishop Barron. And I was two years up at the Liturgical Institute in Mundelein, and we would have a faculty uh, lunch there. And one time at the table, he pointed out that um, cilia is a biological word for uh, little hair-like structures on the outside edge of a uh, cell, or there are cilia in your digestive tract that helps the food move down, even if you eat uh, hanging from your knees from a tree. Well, cilia is also the name for like your eyelashes. And to be reconciliated is to be put back eyelash to eyelash before God. What's our state of sin? When he looks at us, we look away. We've all experienced that in a friendship or in a marriage. When you're nursing a grudge, when you're alienated, and the other person says something, you just grunt. Or the other person looks, you don't make eye contact. And here's God in the Garden of Eden saying, where are you guys? We used to have this lovely eye-to-eye -eye contact. You were the apple of my eye. Scholars don't exactly know what the, the Hebrew means in the Psalms, but it's something like this. The apple of the eye means like, when I look at you, there's a little man in my uh, eye. That's you reflecting in my eye. And we are God's little man in his eye, but not now. We're hidden in the bushes. How could we be brought back to a free and easy and graceful, that was an intentional pun, <laughs> gracious, relationship with God. This is what the uh, sacrament of reconciliation is, but that requires re-kickstarting re my penitential, my penance process. That's asceticism. 
being uh, jumped up again. And that depends upon being truly contrite. So that's penitence inside my penance. And wouldn't it be awful if I was just sitting in my room alone wondering whether God really forgave me? But I guess he does. I hope he does. I don't know if he does. Wouldn't it be great if we could go to Christ and hear him say, by my blood, you are forgiven. So that's why there's a sacrament of confession. Have we run through all the titles? I'm trying to work through them uh, here as we go. So it's uh, lovely that we haven't exactly settled on a single word for it. Eucharist has as many terms too. The catechism names them all. This is called a synaxis. It's called the Lord's Supper. It's called the Banquet of the Lamb. It's called the Eucharist. It's called the Mass. Uh, certain, we know more than we can say. So we say many words to try to uh, say what we know. We'll return to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fackerberg in just a moment. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Help support this vital ministry. Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported apostolate. Please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to fund operating expenses for this truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. We recently received a generous grant to hire new employees to grow the apostolate, but we still have to fundraise those operating expenses, which have significantly grown over time. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. As an independent, not-for-profit lay organization that is not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is 100% listener-supported. Please visit discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. 
Thanks and God bless. We now return to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg. Words matter. So much so that in the beginning, uh, the Father spoke a word. And uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And, you know, even to a certain extent, when we use the term mystic, I think that's uh, you, we live in a culture now that is so hungry for a sharing, to be known, to to know, but also to be known, to hear, but also to be heard. And I think that we're called to a mysticism, and we deny it in church circles. Well, that's only for those over there, and that's. The images we see of someone like Padre Pio or even Catherine of Siena. Yes, absolutely. They're the just beautiful lights that shine for us. Thank God we had moments with Therese. Thank goodness that diary, those letters were compiled by her sisters so we could have a sense of something. But if we say that, I, well, I won't get it at church. Can't explain why, but I have to go on a Sunday. I have an obligation but I'm going to also do this meditation app now because that's how I really encounter God. Or I have to go find yoga positions. We seem to find our spiritual somewhere else disconnected with what has been given to us. I think that's unfortunate. It, it creates a duality or a, when we talk about words, diabolical, it means division. It creates a division in the heart of that person who has been called to a wholeness. One should remember that Christ gave the keys to the kingdom to Peter. Mysticism is not a second set of keys. It's not me uh, being able to take a different path. Mm -hmm. Mysticism would be a way of walking the path which Christ laid. He's a road builder. He's the first pontiff, right? The uh, bridge builder. He's the first one to make this bridge to heaven. And mysticism is a foretaste of heavenly life. Uh, Nicholas Cabasilis, a Greek uh, author on sacraments, has this lovely line of, in some sense, you cannot finish there which you do not begin here. Oh, wait till I'm dead and then I'll take care of it. No, you cannot finish there which you do not begin here. You begin here in baptism. Go to the sacraments. The sacraments begin this in you. They don't finish it in you, but they begin it in you. You must start it. Well, what, you be, what we'll finish is the mystical life in heaven that you must begin here. If you don't like mysticism now, you're not going to be happy in heaven. That's going to be a tedium, a, a, a struggle. And you'll be unhappy there. But what was given us for our beginning to initiate is the life of Christ in his mystical body. The perichoresis of the Trinity is canonically extended. He'll catch us in unexpected places, 
but I can expect him to catch me if I go here. Hmm. Maybe on a Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, he'll uh, speak to my conscience. But I know he'll speak to me Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. This is where I know he'll be. He's promised to be. And when I go into that sacred realm, then I will understand what the Alpha and the Omega is, and I'll be able to hear his voice all the more clearly. But to do a kind of a mystical spirituality that drifts free of Jesus uh, seems to fail a Christian uh, definition. It has to be Jesus. Yeah, it, that's the heart of what true Christian mysticism is. It's it, it ultimately doesn't it have that great meeting point when we talk about a tornado into the heart of the person. But what you'll encounter there is the cross of Christ. You're right there at the gaze upon the crucifix, the great action of beautiful, glorious love. One of the things I've been noticing in the spiritual authors I've been reading lately is their sense of communion happening at even an uncontrolled, unconscious level. The union with God is good. A desire for union with God is good. Even a desire for the desire for union with God is good. Someone like uh, Francis de Sales uses marriage illustration. Am I thinking of my wife Elizabeth every moment now while we're talking? Am I in love with Elizabeth even now while we're talking? Granted, uh, there are things in the world that distract me, but does that mean that I'm not doing theology, theologia, union with God, that the perichoresis is not... Oh, I do want it to come to consciousness from time to time. But uh, some things are nice because you do them by habit, by habitus, by second nature. Mm -hmm. uh, some things are nice in my marriage because by habit, I um, give her a kiss. I uh, uh, think, oh, what should we do together? And I don't have to, oh, oh I almost forgot, Elizabeth. I have to be, stay conscious of her. Maybe uh, we put an extreme emphasis on the uh, conscious emotional. And what we should do is to drive it so deep into our hearts that it's steady. It's uh, continuous. It's constant prayer. Mm. Yeah, I have a very dear, beloved spiritual friend who I've known for over 30 years. She was always the rock even in the, around the local community, and um, just filled with joy, always moving, always doing, always pointing you towards Christ, always. Well, just recently she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, hmm. and a very fast, very, hmm. not a slow, but a, a very, so much of the diminishment that in short-term memory and so many things. And yet, when you speak to her, she may not even remember who you are, but she knows who he is. Hmm. It's so deep down, all of a sudden, it always goes back to, she'll tell you, it's the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branch. All of everything that she 
was so steeped in for all those years, that's what remains, at least today. What changed from tornadoes to uh, ocean? She's developed an ocean current, even if the waves are uh, well, either stirred up or calmed down or becoming placid. But the, the current down below moves things forward. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of, that's the beauty of the mystery, the mystery we've been made members of. She, in a very real way, is that mystic we, that you and I are, hopefully, one day. And look what that mystery has required or depended upon, repetition. Mm-hmm. When... Uh, our second child was born. Our first was in daycare and uh, into school. My wife did me the service of bringing home most of the money while I was in graduate school. And so I played Mr. Mom with our second kid. And for a couple of years, uh, I'd have to give him lunch while I was trying to study for my uh, comprehensive exam on 20th century theologians. Now I might say, that once in a while, serving up a uh, plate of peas and uh, chicken tenders was this great moving experience of being a father. <laughs> but most of the time, <laughs> I was just trying to get that done and over here, oh no, you spilled peas, don't squish them on the carpet. No, 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 no. But to serve him lunch, not just when I felt like it, not when it was a fulfillment and expression of my parenthood, Yes, today I think I'll feed you lunch. Feed him lunch, whether it expresses anything or not. That's your duty. That was a piety. To do that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's a liturgical rhythm. Oh, here comes Lent. Didn't we do this last year? Yes. Gonna have to do it again. Uh, I was to uh, Mass a month ago. Yeah, well, come try daily. See what kind of repetition is going to be required to create a habitus, a second nature, a habit within. Repetition is treated largely as uh, an enemy by modern culture, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me to have to repeat my words, for me, well, I uh, shook hands with you yesterday. No, we repeat all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Why is uh, repetition such a burden for us in liturgy. I must put the mask on repetitively until my face grows to fit the mask. Hmm. So Kavanaugh's line, uh, I don't go to mass because I'm Catholic. I am Catholic. I become Catholic because I go to mass. Beautiful. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Fackerberg in our next episode. You've been listening to Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fackerberg. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, 
And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Pathway to Sacred Mysteries with Dr. David Fagerberg.